episode number 12 is Senior Master Sergeant Craig French, the current Kunsan Defender shirt. Craig and I met through similar interests around the base. He attended a few classes of the Air Power Leadership Academy and will be an instructor for the upcoming class. Craig and I share many similar interests. We both like Coors Light, always have our own koozie, have read many of the same books, enjoy running, and we're both fans of Tom Brady. I ask him what life as a first sergeant in Kunsan is like. Craig goes on to explain how he loves his job and would do it for free. He loves it so much that he has extended as a first sergeant, and I try to get him to explain what it is about that job that he loves so much. He suggests some good books and movies that are must-reads and watches. My favorite part of this discussion was when he talks about General Mattis and how organizations should be more like gangs. Today I got Craig French, uh, episode number 12, I believe. Tom Brady, I don't know if you're a Tom Brady fan or not. I actually am a Tom Brady okay, fan. Not a, pa- not a Patriots or Tampa Bay fan, but a Tom Brady fan. That's good. I'm also a Tom Brady fan, and I've known him for a little bit, and it wasn't until today that I realized you and I have so much in common as we were just like getting ready yeah. to do this over the last 20 minutes. He, he brought his own koozie, <laughs> first person to do that. We're both Coors Light people. Uh, we have a lot of interest in the same books that I have sitting here, so... Overall, it's, it's kind of interesting to know like we have a lot of the same interests, and now we're both Tom Brady fans. So, yeah, absolutely, it's I'm really cool. glad to have you on here as episode number twelve. I know I've like asked it, asked you if like twice to do it, and you were always down. Um, this is also this is the second time I'm interviewing someone where I don't know too much about, just through a few interactions on base. Um, but I'm pretty excited to for it. We've got a lot in common, like I've already said. But if you would just uh, tell us about yourself. All right, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me today. It's uh, I'm blessed to have the opportunity. So. Uh, as you said, Craig French, uh, been in the Air Force uh, now about just over 16 years. Uh, spent my first 13 years in the aircraft maintenance uh, field uh, as a jet engine mechanic, but I got to do a couple different jobs as I went through that career field. Uh, about three, just over three years ago, I got picked up under the original or the old DSD process to be a first sergeant. And uh, I'll tell you, when I first got picked up, I wasn't super excited to do it. I never did the symposium. I had no ambition to be a first sergeant. It just I was one of those ones that slipped in and got picked up. So I uh, reached out to a couple mentors of mine, and I was like, man, I don't know if this is the right job. And it was kind of a big joke because, you know, uh, being a maintainer, I was kind of rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. But uh, talking to my mentors, they're like, hey, sometimes you just can't be selfish. You just got to do what the Air Force asks you. So, hey, I put my nose to the grindstone and just got after it and uh, de- definitely enjoyed it. So, as you know, went through the first Sergeant Academy, got to my first assignment at Masawa Air Base. Mm-hmm. And I was super excited, thought I was going to go to Fighter Wing Staff Agency, FSS, live my best life outside of maintenance for a little bit, get there, and the command chief's like, hey, uh, you're going to go to AMXS. What do you think about that? <laughs> hey, roger that, sir. I got you. So went out to AMXS where I knew just about everybody because I'd worked with them in some way, shape, or form mm-hmm. through the first 13 years of my career. So uh, it was an awesome place at the end of the day to like cut my teeth as a first sergeant because I knew the mission, so I didn't have to worry about focusing on learning any of that. I just had to focus on being a first sergeant and taking care of people. So I spent about a year and a half doing that, and then I got the opportunity to go over to the logistics readiness squadron. And uh, like I tell everybody as I go through this, it was nice to go where the grass is, definitely greener in the MSG. So spent 18 months there, and that was one hell of a team. It's probably one of the best... Up until this point, you know, I've been in security forces here at Kunsan for a short period, but it was probably one of the best teams I had the opportunity to serve with. Everybody was just firing on all cylinders from NCOs through senior NCOs through the young officers that were there. So I got a huge breadth of experience coming out of LRS, so I was truly blessed to have that. And uh, arrived here at Masawa, and it looked like I was possibly going to go back to maintenance, but 
command chief uh, hooked me up, gave me security forces, and I couldn't be more happy to be over there. It's been an awesome opportunity to see what the defenders do here and just learn their uh, way of business. So, Was that Chief Woods that uh, switched over here? It was. So okay. Chief Woods reached out to me early on, and he had read my bio and like, hey, man, you're a maintainer. You served in maintenance for your first 18 months, and here we're looking to put you back in MXS. What do you think about going to security forces? I said, absolutely. Please put me there. So, uh Definitely a great decision because I've got an awesome team over there and I couldn't ask for anything better. So, yeah, that's crazy. I actually, that's cool that you, you're now working with security forces, as you know, or maybe you don't know. I, I talked to Chief Shown on here, which was pretty cool just yeah. to, to talk to a, a defender in charge of all the defenders. I didn't know that you could uh, get, I guess, non ball or volunteer to, to be a first sergeant. I thought it was a very uh, competitive and you had to want to do it but what happened is under the dsd process we had a, a few number of master sergeants in the union unit i can't i was in at the time and you know at that time under the dsd process you had to meet certain criteria and there were several that didn't meet that criteria there's three of us at the time that met the criteria so each go round we got put up for it okay so eventually all three of us ended up getting picked up to do some dsd so uh again like i said wasn't super happy at the time but awesome opportunity now and like i said uh I don't know if I told you. I actually extend it to be a shirt. I like it so I enjoy it so much and taking care of people. So is that an easy thing to extend to and, and get get to do? Yeah, it's not bad. It, it was pretty simple. You know, there's a little paperwork. You got to work with your original career field plus the first sergeant uh, career field, and uh, yeah, it wasn't bad or easy or hard at all. Yeah, man, just life as a shirt. You're the first shirt that I uh, first shirt. You're the first shirt that I've had on here. And there's just so many questions in my mind on like doing that job. I'm a big fan of my current shirt, um, Chris McDonald. Love him. He's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's in our rap con every day. He's like pl- plugged in and listened. It's really cool to have him. Um, just that though, like your job is literally just to go around and fuck around or hang out with people and get to know them, help them out where you can. Yeah, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. Like I said, it's all about, you know, a lot of people don't say fucking around necessarily, but that's what I call it. I, I love it every day. Uh, I say it's the easiest job in the Air Force. There's probably going to be a lot of people that shun me after they hear this for saying it's the easiest job in the Air Force, but there's no effort. It's just taking care of people, and I enjoy taking care of people. So uh, ultimately, that's why I look to extend as a shirt. I kind of weighed my odds. Like if I went I, if I went back to maintenance, I wanted to go mm-hmm. to the flight line. Uh, there was very, very small chance that I'd go to the flight line not being a chief, being a senior master sergeant. I was uh, destined for the engine back shop, and that, and that wasn't for me. I don't like working in the back shop, I'd rather be out on the flight line. So I kind of weighed some odds. And if I went back to the back shop, I was just going to be looking at EPRs and awards mm-hmm. and, you know, only have 80 to a hundred people to take care of and a whole unit and being able on here at Kunzan, you can affect the whole wing as a first sergeant when you're out and about getting after it. So yeah, I can see it, you know, and then you get like all those entries into ALA and I'm sure there's other programs yeah. and offers you get. I'm curious, uh, so many things you said that I could talk about the uh, awards and decks side of it, of the house when you're when you're when you're a senior master sergeant of, of a maintenance, yeah, like man, I know that stuff's important, but like I'm I've been doing that lately. End end of second quarter, I've been doing a lot of awards and uh, EPR stuff for decorations that are coming up. And sure, I get the importance of it, but man, sometimes I'm like, I just want to like <laughs> do my yeah. job again. Yeah. Or like I see the airmen and staff sergeants walking through, laughing and doing their eight hours and leaving. I'm like, man, <laughs> no, I agree with you. Yeah. Like I said, I go back all the time. I really after going to LRS I fell in love with the job so that's why I decided to extend I thought I had a bit bigger effect on people than just uh the, the small amount I would in the engine back shop or whatever going through awards and decks so 
being a shirt, best part of the ball at the job, and then we're going to ask, like, there's got to be some bad parts to it, too. So, there's best part. Best part, you work for yourself. I've had awesome command teams. I've had great commanders, great uh, chiefs I've got to work for. And as long as you're getting your shit done, nobody's in your business, you know. Uh, so, if you're taking care of the unit, taking care of the people in that unit, it's like you own your own business. That's the best part. There truly, I wouldn't say there's anything bad about it. There's some days you, uh, I would say, are a little rough because we're, constantly get given problems and it's just solve that problem yeah. but there's some of the some things you come across you just can't solve it's just about taking care of the people so those are the days i'd say are bad so man if i had to ask your worst experience i mean i guess some things you probably can't talk about but worst experience uh tough one i guess it was uh i had a young airman had to deliver a stillborn baby at like 34 weeks that was again your problem solver and there's yeah. nothing you can do but hug hug her and her husband and say, hey, I'm here for you. What do you need me to do? Mm-hmm. Other than that, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, that would be hard to do. Yeah. You can't can't do anything about it. No, not at all. So I know first shirts do a lot about with punishment and stuff. I'm sure that's not a fun part of the job, having a... It's not, man, because I look at everything. I learned as a young NCO, uh, somebody taught me to look at uh, your unit and your or your unit, your people, your work center, whatever it may be is your family, you know, and we always want our kids to be better than us. So that's how I take it. That's the kind of the approach I look at. You know, I look at everyone in my unit. You know, they may be the same age, maybe younger, maybe older, but I look at them as my brothers, my sisters, my son, my daughter. And I think it's easy to focus there, be it, looking at it like they're my family members. So if my kid gets in trouble, I don't want their world to be hindered and just completely over. So that's kind of how I look at punishment. And secondly, with that, I did a lot of dumb shit growing up. It was about having great people around me that pulled me in when I was getting out of control and took care of me. So that's how I look to do it with these folks. Uh, was that like when you say you were young doing dumb shit, was that in the air force or prior? It was absolutely in the air force. I, I am far from perfect to make it here. It was great people that surrounded me that helped get me here. And uh, that's what I said. I think sometimes now we're a little trigger happy to just straight punish people mm-hmm. instead of when you see somebody getting out of control, kind of grab them by their coattail and say, Hey, let's get your shit together and get out of here type of thing. And, can you reflect or remember some of those moments where you were doing something dumb and someone corrected you and caught, caught it and how they approached you with it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, underage drinking was one of them. Okay. So got hemmed up real quick for it and, uh, you know, at a party doing it, but I had good, you know, I had a good supervisor who found out and gra- scooped me up real quick and said, Hey man, if you're going to do anything more, you know, you're destined to do great things. If you're going to keep doing great things, you got to get your shit together. So it was just that, you know, get me home to the right place. And then I was up the next morning and good to go. And as a 20 year old, you appreciated that in the moment or did you have to? I, I definitely appreciated that and why I reflect back on that. So uh, my parents, right when I was, I'll talk a little bit about them. When I was going into high school, my parents set all my, I had, I'm a one of five. So I got two brothers, two sisters. They set us down and like, hey, we know you're going to do shit in school that is going to be illegal and get you in trouble, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's drink, do drugs, whatever but we're your get out of jail free card. So I'm, I, I wasn't perfect in high school, but it was about calling your parents or being honest with your parents when you uh-huh. got, got in those situations and get you home. So that's another thing why I appreciate supervisors that did that for me. And that's what I try to portray down on people because we're not perfect. We're always going to make mistakes. Yeah, that's a really good philosophy. And again, I've already listed like four different things we have in common. Um, episode nine, it was reversed. I got to sit in that chair and uh, Kiara Frazier, she sat here and interviewed me and she asked me, what's your leadership philosophy? And my actual answer was to treat people, uh, my subordinates or even my peers as they're like my own little brother and little sister. Cause like you're willing to go an extra mile and do extra things for these people. If you actually care about them. 
Absolutely. It's paid. I feel it's paid huge dividends for me and the units yep. I've been a part of. I think I, so I kind of stole that from the air traffic career field manager, Chief Davis. So I'm wondering like for you to also have be thinking this is it, maybe it's in a book somewhere and that's where we're getting it from or. I don't know if I got it from a book. I remember uh, when I was a young tech sergeant, I think I was a young tech sergeant when I heard it from one of my uh, pro supers or whatever okay. at the time. So yeah, maybe it's, yeah. Just something that's been yeah. passed around. It makes perfect sense as soon as I heard it. I just couldn't believe I hadn't thought of that before. Yeah, I think by the time I started looking at it like that, instead of being, you know, the other ways I looked at things, I was able to get, uh, you know, exceed a lot more mm-hmm. with the teams I was a part of. Yeah. Um, so something, something else I wanted to ask you is, I know you made staff first time, tech first time, senior first time, master second? Yep, I made master my second okay. round. So, and I we've also talked about it, and you said you're not really, you were never really focused on promotion, which is unique because most times when people move move up that quick that that is their focus uh what do you think like how do you accredit your success I, ha- I had awesome leadership at the time you know I definitely had good and I had bad so which was nice you got to see what you want to do and what you don't want to do uh so I had good leadership put me in the right spot so uh promotion was far from my number one focus I did put some time into studying a little bit but nothing too crazy and uh but I have to credit it to the, you know, I had awesome leadership. I had awesome people that worked for me and just busted their ass day in and day out, you know, which obviously they make your EPRs, the yeah. people that work for you, you know, at, at a certain point, you know, as staff sergeant, tech sergeant, whatnot, you can uh, go out there, turn wrenches on jets and produce your own EPR in a sense. But by the time you start getting a master and whatnot, you got to be leading good teams and have people that take care of you because they're the ones that ultimately are doing the business that gets into mm-hmm. your EPRs. So I'd have to attribute it to great leadership. So good leadership, somewhat right place, right time, having Absolutely. people under you. Yeah, one of my, uh, one of my friends, mentor, uh, Chief Harper at Spangolum, he, re- he put on Chief like 2018, 2019. And while he was a Chief Select, this random brand new Airman 3 level walked up to him and said, hey, sir, congrats on making Chief. And he just looked at him, smiled. It was at the Christmas party and was like, you know, I did it off the standing on the, he's like this big six foot four, big dude. He's like, I did it by standing on the shoulders of airmen like you. And even though it was kind of funny and like a joke, I was thinking like that it's true though. Like a lot of my success is people underneath me doing something. And I yep. somewhat helped maybe just a bit and get some credit for it. Yeah. I, like I said, I credit it cause I spent a good, good chunk of my, so I went to Kadena in 2007 as an A1C made senior airman there, but I ended up spending seven years. So I got, I made multiple promotions there, mm. but a uh, big sports guy. So I refer to the teams I worked with there as like the dream team, you know? Yeah. So I had what's called, uh, I always referred to my team there and at Tinker is the dream team, man. I always had the right, all the right maintainers around me at the right time and got the right jobs. So truly blessed to have that happen. Big sports guy. I didn't know that. Uh, what are, what are your favorite sports? Baseball probably. Okay. Yeah. Not a big baseball guy, but I definitely can get behind some indoor baseball here in Korea. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun hobby. Um, what do you think it is you like about so? Did you play sport, baseball, other sports growing up? I did. I played baseball uh, for the longest, a little bit of football throughout there, but baseball mostly. Okay. What position did you play at football and baseball? Uh, so I played catcher in baseball, and then when I was uh, football, I played guard, tackle, and a little bit of linebacker. But okay. Uh, I was fat growing up, so <laughs> most people don't know you that. You picked up running. Yeah, I picked. Well, I picked up running to join the Air Force because oh, okay. I lost about eighty-five pounds to get there. So a lot of pounds. Yeah. And um, I talked about this with another podcast, but what do you think it is that you like so much about sports, and how do you think sports helped you 
be who you are, competitive, whatnot, growing up to where you're at now. I do. Like you said, I like how competitive they are, and I like the teamwork aspect because I don't think we can get anywhere by ourselves. No matter yeah. what we do, it takes a team. So I'd have to say the teamwork and the competitiveness because good, good competitiveness amongst, amongst teams I think will drive teams to always be better. Yeah, I've actually never thought of that. Um, I guess I've thought of it just not that in-depthly. I wonder if there's any science or research behind like people who play sports, how they work better in organizations with a team 10 yeah. years later. Yeah, it'd be interesting you know, to look into. I would assume better, yeah. like it's practice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, something that I that I really like about sports and I'll talk about is um, just what I like about it so much is competitive and it's like if it's a one-on-one sport or a team sport, the team that's going to win is who's ever practiced more and then it's just this even game, equal odds and – just two forces colliding and who's ever more prepared, stronger wins and comes out on top and, and the satisfaction and feeling of winning and being better than another man or another competitor is there something you True. can't explain yeah. it. And it's very primitive, I think, but that, yeah, I, I really enjoy sports. That's why like now that I'm getting older, I'll, I'm like playing chess and stuff. Just like, how can I continue to be competitive as I get older? Like that's I can always awesome. play chess. <laughs> yeah. But that's cool. That's quite, I didn't know you're a baseball player. You played indoor baseball out here. I have not played indoor oh, baseball. Man, you're missing so out. I mess around with softball a little bit. Okay. No indoor baseball. Yeah, you got you to gotta do it. And you can drink there. Uh, one time I'll have to check my, it out. Yeah, one time me and my friends, we went we went on a whole day down to the beach. And, uh, the one, I don't know, it's like an hour from here. Not even an hour. Okay. And then when we came back, it was like midnight, and we didn't want to go home. So we went to the baseball place, and then we just kept, we continued to drink there. And we were like, <laughs> had our shirts off, like playing indoor baseball. Yeah. It's, just, it's a really fun time. It's a good yeah. time. Nice. Yeah, you got to try it. Yeah, sports is good. Were you a reader when you were in high school? Absolutely not. Did not, <laughs> ca- did not care about school. Me neither. When did you pick it up? Uh, probably a couple of years in the Air Force. Yeah. Staff sergeant or before that? Probably around staff sergeant, honestly. Okay. You know, I picked. I started doing some college uh, as a senior airman, I guess, but then I uh, picked up more reading. I guess it would have been around a staff or tech because I started TDYing and deploying quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So when you're on air, flying around the world all the time, it was just something easy and fun to do. Well, do you remember like what the first self-help or leadership book you read was? It just, I honestly don't. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, I do. How to win friends and influence people. I read that okay. and I was like, all this information on how to get people to do what you want. Yeah. It's just here. It's in the book. <laughs> I have yeah. it all now. Yeah. And so I just kept doing it. And now I like, it's so fun to like moments. It's hard. Sometimes I'll do things knowing I've got it from a book. I don't really remember how or the experience of where I learned it. Um, I'm sure in your position as a shirt, like there's moments where you're, interacting with people when you're like, Oh, I can like, yeah, you have something I learned from a book. No, absolutely. Look back on it. And like I said, I, you know, coming in here, it is funny. You talk about things we have in common and I see your chalkboard over here mm-hmm. and it's got how you want to read one book a month. So that's kind of my goal, at least one book a month too, if I'm lucky. And okay. like you said, you look back on it like, Oh, I remember where I found that or where I learned that yeah. was in this book. And I'll sometimes even go back and like reread it, highlight it like, okay, got it. Yeah. Uh, Again, so that there's two types. Of people. So I'm in a book club here. I'm about okay. to leave. You sh- you should join us. We're we're starting our next book pretty soon. Um, if you're a reader, we read one book a month and we talk about it. We meet every week. It's pretty good. Uh, we, so far, we've read three books, and every book's a book I would have never read okay. if it was up to me. But it's kind of cool to read different books on like things that I wouldn't have read. What's, uh, the, ne- uh, what's the next book? The next one is we haven't decided. We decide. So it's we meet every week and we we split the book up into four weeks. And so we're going to decide this Monday, or actually it's going to be on Tuesday for the first time. So if you want to come to book club meeting, just watch us talk about our current book. It's at five o'clock on Tuesday. I'll invite you. So you don't have to remember that right now. What book are you reading right now? Grit. Angela Duxworth, I think the author. I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list of books to read. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's one of those books I would never read. Like I don't want to learn how to be 
uh, what is it? Not persistent, but uh, resilient. I guess is yeah. kind of what it is. Like continuing to do something even after you suck or you fail. It's like one of those things. Like oh, I already know I'm supposed to do that. Just keep trying. But it gives you like these ideas. Uh, it, it that I don't know if you saw my little paper piece of paper there. It's Warren Buffett says. You should write down 25 goals, right? Everyone has a bunch of goals, especially in the Air Force. They tell us to have goals. So we yeah. have goals. We don't always share them with everyone. It said, write down your 25 goals and then circle five of them and forget about the rest, right? And it's like, so I did it. I think I only wrote 22 and I only circled four because um, those were the four that were most important. And then when I was looking at the four I circled and the other 18, I'm like, yeah, I don't really care about those other 18 and why it was telling us to do that or why Warren Buffett says you need to do that is because you need to focus on what's really most important to you. You can't, you can't spread yourself out. Like you can't work on 25 decorations at once. You got to do one to the next one. Yeah. And so that's what this thing is saying. He's Warren Buffett's giving advice, like do one thing at a time. That's why I'm so successful. Okay. Which is yeah, completely opposite tips. of what the air force tells yeah, us yeah. to do. <laughs> it's like you already did air power leadership Academy. Don't do that again. Do something else. And it's like, but I really like that. I don't, yeah. I, I, I want to keep no, doing this. Absolutely. So it, it's kind of interesting to see like the book tells us. Yeah. So what are the other two books you guys read? You said during the third. So. Uh, the first one was the coddling of the American mind. Okay. That one's pretty cool to like see how people got to where we're at now. And then the second one was uh chief keel, the fire chief. Okay. He has a book published. So we read that one, which was, it was a, a book to maximizing your enlistment. Well, you can check out his good friend also has a book. He's a fire chief. Who just released it. Paul Watts. So it's on Amazon. Check it out. Okay. Yeah. Have you read it? I have not. Just just got released. <laughs> so. I'm endorsing it. <laughs> yeah. I won't endorse it for I won't endorse it because he's an awesome dude. That's cool. Yeah. yeah uh, I actually like Chief Kiel's book. And it was like a, if we weren't in a book club and we spread it out over three or four weeks, I could have read it on like, you know, a Sunday. Okay. But it's not bad. It, it's got a, yeah. It's got some good stuff in there. Nice. Y'all come check it out though next week. Yeah, Tuesday. I'll, I'll make sure I message you. Actually, we're in right a group on. chat. Chief Kills in there too, and I'll add you in there so you can get all the info. Uh, what are some of the favorite books you've read? Uh, so, Call Sign Chaos is one of my favorite. Can't hurt me. I just finished reading Extreme Ownership. Was a good one. Yep. I read uh, Make Your Bed and Team of Teams. Those are probably top five books. Of, oh, so if you had to pick five books, that's it. Yeah, those are good. You left Dale Carnegie out, but uh, those yeah. those five sound good. Um, it's cool. The first three you named, I've read. The second two, I've never even heard of. But all I'm thinking about is that uh, speech at I don't know for what school it was the for the University guy. of Texas, 2014. Okay. So yeah, it's just a quick read, but it's a good book. Just about you know the one thing you do in the morning, you know, make your bed kind of sets the tempo. Yeah. But uh, he's just got a lot of good tips on how he made it through SEAL training and different things throughout his career. So it's a good book. So a day read kind of thing? Yeah, you can. I, I read it in about an hour and 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. that's real short. It's about 150 pages, I think. Okay. So it's good. I feel like that's pretty pretty fast reading. Uh, it's quick, It's small book, though. It's not okay. like, you know, big pages. It's the smaller pages or whatnot. So, And then, like I said, Team of Teams with uh, General McChrystal is another good read. So, What's that about? I can make an assumption. So it's about how they change the outlook or some of the special ops training mm -hmm. and their outlook through the early golf or not golf war early uh, Iraq Afghanistan and just talks about you know forming all these small teams to be one big successful team okay but yeah definitely a good read it's something I read general chaos or sorry call sign, call chaos, sign chaos and before we started this podcast you were telling me about one of your favorite parts of that book and I was like I don't remember that part and it really bothers me and I'm gonna have to reread it and I highlighted it too so I'm kind of curious to see if I like just completely skipped that page or something, but you would, I, I thought that was a really cool, I guess, philosophy or. So, like I said, love general Mattis, read the book twice back to back, but he, you know, and I told you why I liked him because it was, uh, 
kind of, I feel how I, I handled people and it may come off wrong here, but you know, if you handle your work center, your unit, your group, Mm -hmm. like a gang, you can keep everything inside the house. Gangs don't let anything out. Yep. So he talks about that in there. He goes, if you just keep that tight knit group, like, you know, these street gangs or whatever, you never have an issue. So I like that because really, if you don't, why let you let anything out of your bowl of chili? Because then more people find out mm-hmm. and it's all highlighted. So I really, that was one of my favorite parts in that book. But I mean, all in all, the whole book is great because his whole philosophy on yep. everything and how he just gets down. And, you know, talk, one of my other favorite parts in there is where he talks about on Christmas relieving like a young lieutenant on guard duty to go spend time with his family. And he stood guard, you know, and I think he was a two star at the yeah. time. So. Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I that lieutenant wanted to be like, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is cool. It, it definitely inspira- inspirational. One of my favorite parts about that book is uh, it's like when in the appendix A or B, but he, he just talks about why it's so important to read in our line of work. More so him yeah. as a general of the Marines, but even for us, like just how important it is for reading. Well, another thing in there, you know, I, I tease, uh, I love my Marines because I spent a lot of time in Okinawa, obviously, mm-hmm. but, you know, a lot of people dog Marines, how dumb they are. But then in that book, he says at each level, they have a reading list they have to comply with. Just the officers, right? No, no, enlisted as well. So they have a reading list to comply with. And that's what he talks about in that book, how he goes out and he should be able to ask. And like he he would hold people accountable if their lance corporals and corporals weren't knowing that reading list or reading that the books off that reading list. So, and here we talk about not the smartest branch. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So one of that's, that's. Man, I got to reread that. Maybe because you read it twice. I read, you got all it, this stuff. I, I, back I, back. I promise I read it. And I'm like, oh, how did I miss that? Yeah. I do remember him saying there's a reading list, but I didn't know it's for the enlisted people yeah. too. We work with uh, two Marines here, both both E5s, sergeants. And uh, it is really cool. Like, you know, you always hear they're dumb. You know, I don't ever really work with these guys, so I don't know. But they're just as smart as us. They're just as hardworking. Mm-hmm. They're in better shape than us. They're still working out while Absolutely. the rest of us aren't. Yeah. Uh, he's Mike uh, Morgan Weibel is one of my favorite of the two, I hang out with him more. Not that Aracho is not great. He's a cool dude. He's just a little quiet. But I'm going to have Weibel on here too just to like have that interaction of how was it a whole year here with, with Air Force people and to tell him how I feel about having them too. But I am going to ask him about that. Like, I wonder if that's still a thing or if that was just a general Mattis yeah, thing. I'm not sure. Like I said, it was just in the book and I thought it was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But he is a reader. He has talked to me about a few books. I don't know if it's pushed on him by his leadership or yeah. his own accord. Man, that's good. What are, so that those what, what's your sixth favorite book? I guess I would say those, you know, I say, I say those books are probably not in perfect order, but another one's Turn the Ship Around by uh, David, David Marquette, I think, or Marquette is his name. But that mm-hmm. was an awesome book about when he took over that uh, nuclear submarine that was just in a clusterfuck. Yeah. And, he, you know, he talks about how he turned that around. That was a good book, I thought, just, you know, it was very basic on how to handle everything and move forward and you could... Uh, attribute that to every day and like a work center I'm in. Yeah. I, I could see that. And it's crazy to say that you're the third person to say that's one of their favorite yeah. books on here. And I've, I've never read it and I never heard of it until I started doing this podcast. Uh, if finer things club, the book club we're in, that's going to be my pick for next month. I know you already read it. But like Everyone it's, keeps talking about it. I got to hey, read it. You guys have read like three back to back serious books. Like I told you when I first got here, it wouldn't hurt to throw in uh thank you for my service by Matt okay. best. It just, it's a short read, you know, because it's funny and it's just a good time. He's thanking everybody for his service. And like I said, Matt Best is one of the founders of Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, just a hands-down great book. I, You know, I tease because I was sitting there 
just la- I laughed and like laughed so much I had tears going through this from book. a book. Some of the things he was doing and like the guys he was serving with, it, it's phenomenal read. That's good. It's rare when a book yeah. can make me laugh that yeah. well. So I wouldn't say it gives you a lot of leadership points, but it's just a good <laughs> yeah. break up the monotony of like constant back to back leadership mm-hmm. books. So. That's a good suggestion. Yeah, we almost read a, a, a fiction book once, and then we're like, how are we going to talk about this? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What are we going to say? Yeah. Who's your favorite character? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. this is recorded at the 27-minute mark, so I'll have to push that. It's it's cool being in a book club because, sure, we all, all pick, we vote for what book every month, and whoever, whatever book has, everyone gets to suggest one book, and we vote, and then that's the book you read. Uh, but it's cool just how many suggestions come out that like I'd never considered. Like if you were in there, you're just suggesting that. Like sure, the cook, the club might never pick it, but I'll I'll add it to my my list. Yeah. Maybe I'll pick it up. So it's kind of cool just to see what other people find are their favorite books. Because if it's someone's favorite, it's got to be pretty good. Yeah, that's how I usually find mine out or find out about books. You know, just talking to people like you, mm-hmm. you say something, and then I I got a list in my phone and I just add to it. So. Yeah. How many How many books are on that list right now? Do you think? Probably twenty five books. Yeah, at that's least. a lot of books. Yeah. Yeah, we have one guy. He's uh, stationed in Europe. He's so he's not really ever reading the books, but he's just like, I'm just here to see what books you guys are suggesting. And like, yeah, nice. Patel, yeah, <laughs> he's just in, in the chat for that, just to see. Probably hasn't muted. Um, and so, so going back to being a shirt, having to discipline people, having I'm sure you've had to give Article 15 to people before, and and I think you, you always try to avoid that, right? Yeah, like I told you before, I kind of frown upon Article 15s. There are certain things I I agree we need to use uh, Article 15s for because they're the most appropriate. But uh, on the, you know, it hinders members so much, I feel, the Article 15. Obviously, the AFI doesn't require us to do a referral EPR anymore, but so many people are still caught up in wanting to do that. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, we use them for rehabilitation, but that Article 15 is still constantly in your AMJAMS record. So if you go to apply for a special duty later on, that can be seen. Uh, So I always try to avoid that because, again, it's going back to like, hey, I want to these are like my brothers, my sisters, my son, my daughter, and I want to take the best care of them that I can. And is Article 15 the best to rehabilitate them where I can get the same effect with LOR, UIF control roster, which is in their record for a short portion, but it's not forever seen Mm -hmm. in their record. So you can recover from that. So I'm I'm a huge advocate of going that route because, you know, we all make mistakes and you know, one mistake is that what we're going to end somebody's possibility to go down, go down the road and be or join into a special duty or certain jobs they may not be able to do because they received an article 15 at some point. So. Yeah. So, so even if someone got a DUI, you would try to avoid it. No DUIs okay. are different. So that's some of the cut and dry stuff. Yep. There's, there's certain things. Those are just no goes, but I'm talking about some okay. of the other things I've seen, you know, curfew violation was a big one at my last base and everybody, wanted, yeah, everybody wanted to give article 15s. Why are we doing that? Shit happens. I think we can get the same effect with an LOR, UIF, hinder them that way. Mm-hmm. And it's only a short period versus the long term. Because, you know, I got it. There's a certain disposition for an Article 15 to be in the UIF and whatnot. But the problem is the long-term effects because that can be looked at your AMJAMS record forever. Mm-hmm. So that's what, you know, again, there's certain situations, no doubt we're going Article 15. But other situations, you know, like, hey, let's rehabilitate them. And I think, you know, I feel I've had a lot of success with that and making airmen better because they're like, I appreciate you thinking about that. And they've went on to do good things because they didn't have Article 15s. Yeah. yeah. Here's something I'll attribute to you and you're doing and probably through all the books you've read is 
I could imagine some shirts, even if that's their idea and they didn't want to give their airman article 15, being able to influence the commander to agree with you is something that takes effort and tact and you're doing that. And I, I could imagine the commander, you, I mean, you have to persuade, you've had three different commanders minimum at this point. So I'm on my 10th command or 10th oh, or 11th commander right now. But like I said, going into that, I think I know where you're getting at. Mm-hmm. And I use myself as an example all the time. There's definitely, like I told, said early on in this podcast, there's things I did that probably could have attributed to uh, Article 15, yeah. LOR, UIF type of thing. But I had the right people around me that didn't allow that to happen. So I like to pay back, pay that back. Yeah, I think it's cool. And I, I'd, I'd be excited. I'm sure you've done it for enough airmen at this point, five, five ten years when they're where you're at now, they're going to they're going to message you like, hey. Thank you for saving me, like helping me out. Cause I've, I've done that especially since doing this podcast and I started journaling a few years ago, I'll like remember things and be like, I really need to thank like Steve Nastasi or Bill Welsh for like making me do these things that I didn't want to do or. Yeah, definitely. I'm the same way as you. I, I don't personally journal, but definitely there's things I go through and I just thank people. Like it'll mm-hmm. be just a rant. That's one cool thing about Facebook. Yep. <laughs> I appreciate you. Yep. Literally today I was driving at, and I was kind of near the fire department right before the FOD check, before you turn left to get the FOD check, there's a stop sign. And I stopped there because I remembered something someone had done for me. And I was like, I need to send this guy a message right now. I'm going to forget. Nice. And I looked behind, there's no cars behind me. And I just, I, I took a full minute and yeah. did it. And then went on with my way. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's crazy. That's cool. Um, man. So man, we, we can talk a lot about leadership. I can always do that. And just to break it up, because not everyone's into that. I'm sure you'll send this to a few people that don't care too much about the leadership side of it. Uh, so more about you, travel, traveling. Where's your favorite travel destination? Where have you been in, in your life? So Thailand's probably my favorite place, but I, this is my 11th year in PACAF. Mm. So I've got to spend, I've been blessed to spend yeah. a lot of time over here. When I was at Kadena my first time, you know, got to go to Malaysia, Singapore. On TDYs? Uh, oh yeah, Australia. Awesome. There's multiple places I could name. I also went on vacations to several of them, but Thailand is hands down my favorite place. How many times have you been? Thailand, I've only been once. I okay. only went on vacation to Thailand. Some of the other uh, Asia countries, I've been two and three times, whether it be vacation or TDY, but Thailand's favorite. You've, but you've only been into the country of Thailand once? Yeah. Okay. Hands down, the best country I've been to so far. What is it about there? I've never been there, but I always hear it's a great place. It's awesome. It's a beautiful place. And, I mean, you could go there with $100 in your pocket and live like a king. It's beautiful. Like I said, just beautiful place, everything. Food is outstanding. It's all, you know, I went to Phuket, so you're right on the beach, right on the water. It's all open-air yeah. bars, open-air restaurants. And pe- like I said, people are outstanding. And then 100 bucks, you're living like a king. What could I do with 1000 bucks? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get in trouble. <laughs> well, that's where I got it. When COVID goes away, that's, that's yeah. on my spot. I'm about to finish my master's degree. I'm like, all right, I'm going to plan this great vacation to celebrate. And that's on there. But I need COVID to go away so I can celebrate this well-deserved yeah. got like 80 days of leave nice. <laughs> yeah nice. just i gotta do something cool you're selling leave i have to <laughs> <laughs> i will never do that oh man uh so mike thompson is uh is one of your cops master sergeant a good friend of mine air power leadership academy guy i'm sure you know him yeah. <laughs> drops. I, I didn't know his reason for that and when i like asked him we were drunk like Three weeks ago, when I asked him, like, why do they call you that? He's like, but John, I've told you this like four times. <laughs> do you ever listen to me? <laughs> I'm, like, oh, I'm sorry. A hell of a story. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's not very good if I don't remember it. But is a, it is a really good story. And I'm sorry I don't remember. I remember it this time around. 
But uh, I asked him, knowing that you're, he's you're his shirt, I was like, hey, I've got Craig French coming on here. Tell me something I can ask him. And, and his question was, ask him how he engages cynical mother F word like cops and maintenance and to convince them that you want to help. So how do you convince these people that you're here to help as a shirt? Uh, one, punch them in the throat. Okay. And two, <laughs> and two, follow through with what you're saying you're going to do. So it, they come to you all the time, you know, I always tease because when you're in maintenance and cops, you know, you're just getting your shit pushed in on a daily basis and different things like that. So uh, as a shirt, I look back at my time in maintenance and the sh- first sergeant's not doing anything. They work the standard seven to five during the day. Mm-hmm. So my big thing when I came in to be a shirt was, hey, I'm going to work shift work. I'll come in so those guys and gals don't have to find me. I'll find them. I'll take care of whatever they need and just execute and follow through on what they give you. And as soon as they start seeing the benefit of that or the reward at the other side, you're in. It's good to go. Yeah, there's two things you said there. Um, so I'm going to get to like you working, coming in during the night. I'm guessing you come in on the mids and shit sometimes yeah. too. Um, but what I've noticed in my small realm of influence is when you ask someone something and they need help and you do it like, cool, you help that person, you influence that person, but they tell their friends and they tell their coworkers. And then these other people, especially if you do it for someone that's trusted and liked, then other people start coming to you like, well, you helped him. Can you help me? Absolutely. And people keep coming to you. I, a success story for me. I was just telling one of the other shirts the other night. Yeah, I want to hear it. Uh, a buddy calls me from uh, Spang Dalam. Mm-hmm. He's like, Hey dude, I can't get any help. I need some stuff taken care of here. I got a, he's a tech sergeant. He got a young staff sergeant working for him, trying to PCS needed orders, but he wanted to take some leave and route and to come here. Uh, no, he's actually going to Masawa, Okay. But couldn't get his assign or his orders. So networking, cause 95% of the shirt job is about who, you know, mm-hmm. not what you do. I knew somebody, I reached out to AFPC. I was like, Hey, can you hook me up with this to get this kid some orders? And, Someone that wasn't even at Misawa or Spangdalem. Uh, yeah, this. so I called AFPC to get guy, a guy in Spangdalem his orders. I just named social. We sent it off to AFPC, and my, a guy I know there, uh, he's like, yep, got you. So in about six hours, we had this kid, his orders ready to go. That's so that's cool. That, that's the stuff I talk about following through. So when you, then it's word of mouth. You mm-hmm. do that, and then like, oh, hey, I know this guy. He'll take care of that. It's the same thing in all the units you go through if you follow through with it. People will keep coming to you with their issues, their problems, and it may be the simple things like finance and orders and mm-hmm. whatnot, but then when they need the real help where that they need a shirt for, they have no problem. They're like, hey, this guy or gal followed through and got me what I needed on this. Maybe they'll be able to help me with this to help me through life. Yeah. Do you think 10 years ago when you were a staff sergeant that you would have wanted that, you would have wanted everyone to come to your problems with everything? No, probably not. Yeah, and I, now, yeah, I, yeah. Was just, I was just grinding and maintenance. Loved it. And I was like, I'll, like I said, I didn't want to be a shirt. Had yeah. no ambition. I was working on airplanes and enjoyed it. And uh, But now I love it, man, taking yeah. care of people because it's all about bringing our brothers and sisters up. So like I said, you go. it goes back to like, hey, I want my kids to be better than I was. I want, you know, so same thing for these airmen. I want them to come up to the next level. Mm-hmm. I want you to get what you need, help you out to get you there. So you one day you're where I'm at and you're taking care of people. Because at the end of the day, my son, my daughter may be here, may be serving for one of these young airmen. And I want that same treatment portrayed to them. Yeah, that that's a good way to put it. Just yeah, that, It's weird how that satisfaction, like you get some satisfaction out of doing that stuff, you know. I think it's cool. Like, Yeah, I tease all the time. You could take my paycheck right now. I wouldn't give a shit. I'd still do what I do every day because I love it. I enjoy it. There's not a day... 
that goes by, I don't want to wake up and want to go to work. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I do enjoy air traffic. Man, but I don't think I can say that yet. So maybe I got to. Maybe I gotta go be a shirt and see if, <laughs> if that's my hobby. Come on over to the dark side. Oh, man. I don't know. That'd be a commitment. Oh. So what are the, what other cool things have you done as a shirt? Because that that sounds cool. Like, and that was recently. There's got to be some great moments. So it, it, the coolest part, I get one of the coolest parts about a shirt, I guess, is obviously in maintenance. I had done the things in maintenance, like run aircraft, get incentive mm-hmm. rides, all that. But then to go to LRS and, you know, you got five flights in LRS and to be able to take part in all the different things those those men and women do get to see that. Like, I would have never had that opportunity if I wasn't a shirt to go see what vehicle maintenance has to do, what supply has to do, what ground trans. I mean, another day with security forces, I was out shooting a 203. So, I mean. Here? Yeah, where the hell would I ever do that, you know? Uh, they take great care of me. You know, I get to go on these, I call them field trips. They're like, hey, shirt, you want to go shoot? Hell yeah, let's go shoot. So. Man, that's cool. Yeah, I feel bad. Like, we can't do that for our shirt. <laughs> you want to watch us work air traffic? That's cool. Yeah. Well, man, you make it, you're making it sound more fun every day. I, I have a job in the Air Force. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you have to know a lot, though, before you can get there. Yeah, I mean, you got to be a master. You, gotta, know a you lot. have to know a lot of people. So. <laughs> I got to start meeting people. The network is the key because as long as you got the network of people, shit yeah. gets done. Yeah, was, it's funny you said it's like a field trip almost every day. I, uh, I'm scheduled. I don't want to jinx it. I haven't even told like anyone I work with except for two people that I have an incentive flight scheduled for Thursday. Uh, you know, I'm really excited. This is my third, fourth fighter base. And I'm like, I really just want to get on S16. This is your first ride? This, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I already had one, I would give it up to someone else. I, that would, I, maybe actually, let's see how much fun I have. And then I'll decide. But oh, you, how many have you been on? So just one. So okay. I was on 15s, which is definitely a much better pla- or airframe. So sorry, six, say sorry 16 guys. Uh, <laughs> so I did one on a 15. I had multiple opportunities on a 16 when I was a shirt, but the same way as you. I had a hard time when there's young airmen, mm-hmm. staff sergeants, whatever, never got one to get a second one. Uh, I was teasing. I told Chief Clark I would like to be a little bit selfish coming yeah. out of uh, Kunsan. I would love to get a 16 ride to compare both of them because I'm going back to Kadena after mm-hmm. here. So nice. going back to 15s, but. I think it'd be pretty awesome to say in, you know, my Air Force career, I got to fly in both an F-15 and an F-16. So. That would be really awesome to say, but it's pretty cool that you're being selfless. And yeah. maybe, fuck, maybe I wouldn't be going right now. Had you said I'll take another one, who knows, you know. But, I, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And just, so yesterday, I spent all day just going to different appointments to yeah. get qualified and, like, all parachute training. training and water training. It was, it was a lot of fun. Like, that was a lot of fun to do. It was like a little field trip. People measuring me and putting me in all different flight suits. The first one was, like, I don't know if the guy, it was a senior airman, if he was, if he was fucking with me, but he gave me like the smallest flight yeah, suit. Yeah. So, and he closed the door and said, try they that put, on. They put all your shit on, start yanking straps. And, <laughs> I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't yeah. get the thing on. I finally didn't. I came out. He's like, oh, might be a little too small. Yeah, you'll appreciate it, man. Like, uh, you'll, you'll have a lot better respect for fighter pilots after you go through, you know, it's, it's awesome opportunity yeah. to get. I'm nervous. I, I mean, I don't know if nervous, I guess I am nervous since I said that, but it is. Like they were telling me, here's the breathing techniques. And he showed me for like half a minute. And I was like, I don't got it. He's like, yeah. you'll get it. You're, <laughs> like, you're going to get your ass what, no matter what on it. It's all good. So. They don't even know what like the mission is out here for like what they're going to do. I don't, you know, they're not doing anything crazy like dog fights, I assume. So, but it, it is exciting to. It's cool. Hopefully let you take the stick for a little bit, you know, whip it around. So you'll have yeah. the time. Hopefully. Yeah. We'll see. Keep it yeah. airborne though. Where, where was yours at? In, in Japan? Uh, I actually did mine in Guam. Okay. Yeah. So. Are you stationed there? Nope. We uh, we were TDY one time out there, so we we took a couple D models and just were going incentive rides on every go that we could. So 
That's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. So it was nice. We got, uh, I went out, I think on a hour and a half ride, we did a bit. So going out there, we got to fuck around, have a good time. He kind of beat me up a little bit. And then we got out there, did the BFM. So that I really had appreciation for fighter pilots when they did the BFM. Cause that, shit that? was no basic fighting maneuver. Okay. So we were dog fighting, shooting chaff flare, different things. And then when we came back, he really let me, he's like, Hey, you're good. And he like put his hands up on the canopy and there I am like, Oh shit, here we go. So, uh, yeah, I got to take control for a little bit and had a good time, man. Was he excited to, like, have you in his back seat? Oh, yeah, because they, they're looking to get you to throw up. That's their whole <laughs> goal. Yeah, the crew chief's going to tell them to get you to and, like, make sure you take your Ziploc bag because if not, you're cleaning up your mess in the cockpit. And so It's like you said, some dude that, or someone, at, he wasn't my guy at AFE, but another AFE guy said, hey, you know, I've been given incentive flights for six years. Now only one person's ever thrown up, a calm guy. Well, and I've seen I was, plenty of people throw oh, yeah. up. So I was like, really, I was like, okay, cool. I won't do that. <laughs> like, yeah. I was very, now I'm not confident anymore. I definitely, I tell you when you're, it, the whole ride is fine, but it's the straight and level when you're coming back. It's just like, oh shit, man. You're oh, yeah, when you're, yeah. But he's like, he's like, hey, just turn on that hundred percent oxygen and you're sucking it down back there and you're good to go. Okay. That's yeah. what I'll do. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll have it on the whole time. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll, I'll let you know how, how it goes for me. Hopefully, well, they're going to let you take like GoPro up there to get some pictures. I don't know. I, I didn't think so. That, I mean, okay. Heck, I've got a GoPro. Yeah. It's cool because some, sometimes depends on the mission set, whatever you're going, you can, they'll let you put the GoPro in the canopy, so, you know, with suction cups, and it's cool to watch yourself go through that whole thing when you're like, ah, in the seat. Right. I watched some YouTube videos to prepare myself and just seeing like 4Gs and like their <laughs> eyes are like this. I'm like, oh, maybe I don't want a video of that. You can pull like nine on this. <laughs> I, I, I hope so, but I also hope not. Once in a lifetime, so just do it. You're right. I will live. Yep. Um, Air Power Leadership Academy is something that another thing we both have in common. How did you find out about that? I actually found out about it from uh, Angela or uh, Holden. Senior Holden. Okay. Yeah. So I ran into her somewhere and she was talking about it. So I came out there to the shirt panel and uh, kind of fell in love with it there. Because, like I said, you know, it wasn't the standard PME setting. You know, the first time I don't remember the young female's name, but I said something what I thought was my opinion. And she right back and gave it to me. And I appreciate that, that yeah. she didn't look at it like, hey, that's a senior master sergeant. She's like, that's cool. That's your opinion. But, hey, this is my opinion. So I like that, that it's, you know, like a, a good freedom of speech. We don't have to, you know, be very PG in there. Yeah. Well, and what's cool about it is for her, she was a staff sergeant. And she Absolutely. got to, and she got to talk to you to say what yeah. she's actually thinking. And everyone supported her for yeah. it. Even you did. Yeah, and I appreciate it. And I, like you said, I thanked her at the end. I was like, hey, that takes a lot because most people won't do that. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate it. Like, hey, speak your mind, your opinion. Because obviously most of these airmen, NCOs nowadays are coming in way more educated than you and I did when yep. we came in. Oh, so by far. Please open your mouth and let me know what you have to say. Because if not, I mean, we're going to go way further with that than mm -hmm. just my mindset. Yeah, it's, uh, we're going to talk more about LA, but that's something I've realized I've been doing a lot lately. I got put into a new position that I'm not familiar with, assistant chief controller, so in charge of the RAPCON, essentially. And I'm messing up a lot of things, and sometimes I do things right, and then someone will tell me how I should have done it, and like, and it's someone that outranks me, and I'm thinking, like, you don't realize like how much time and effort I put into this, and the way you're saying it sounds dumb to me, or but then I'm like, you know what? I can learn from this. The dude outranks me. Like, he's got the experience. Let me just listen to it. And then I'll be like, all right, you know what, maybe I should. And it, it's cool to like just have, be able to just not take things personal, not let your ego get in the way and just listen to what they're saying. And if you uh, strongly disagree with at the end, like that's push same, it away. That's the same thing like I told you back to like you were talking about my promotion. I think mm -hmm. I mentioned to you, you got to be humble. 
because I went from a career being a career fighter guy to heavies. Mm-hmm. Had no fucking clue what I was doing. So I got there, you know. A tinker? Yeah, as a tech sergeant. It was a whole new world to me. But I, I felt I stayed humble enough, and the people that were around me were the ones that made me succeed. I ended up making master, and uh, I found the people I could rely on that could give me the right answers mm-hmm. and educate me correctly and keep me smart. And I think that's what ultimately helped me make senior. So, you know, I was able to have them, those guys and gals, man, they, they provided me with the right info, and I was humble enough to take it from senior airmen, staff sergeants, tech sergeants, whatever. And, uh, yeah, definitely, it's a good way to go, man. Just stay humble. Yeah, I don't know what book I got this from, but it says uh, to influence people, let them influence you. And, like, that's essentially what you did is you let, like, how, think how a senior airman felt getting to teach a master sergeant. He's like, oh, yeah, like, and you got awesome. them. It's nice because I still talk to a bunch of those folks mm-hmm. now, and you know they're moving up, getting ready, they're making master or making tech. So it's nice to see, you know, like they're reaping the benefits as well now. So yeah, it's awesome. It is a huge benefit that we don't notice is them. Te- I'm a master sergeant. Them teaching us things give them so much confidence. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. All right. I know you were talking about some of these guys that pulled you up at the beginning of the podcast when you were messing up some of your mentors. Um, something I like to ask people is who like is your top top some of your top mentors, top leaders, and like maybe like list off maybe three as a as a random arbitrary number, but like who are they and yeah. what did they do? I could make a, a huge list of people, but it. I have to go back to like my first assignment in LS Air Force Base. Brian Campbell, Nate Castillo, Jason Rude, man, they were you know, I think one was a senior airman. We had a stat and two staff sergeants, just phenomenal people. And I'd look back, Brian or Brian Campbell and uh, Jason Root are super good examples of great people who brought me up, you know, uh, all three the same career field. And I ultimately ended up passing both them up in rank, but they never disrespected me. Always a good congratulations and kept carrying me through. And those are the people that got me there. It wasn't mm-hmm. just me. It was those guys and how they grew me, took care of me at that first assignment. And uh, I still look back on those guys now for info. And, you know, when they make rank, I'm always there, man. I appreciate it. You you know, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you. So, like I said, I could list off a bunch of mentors, but there's people I reach back to for uh, several different things. But those, some of the, those are some of the guys that were most influ- influential in the beginning there at Nellis to start me off. I talk about just start my Air Force career. And then you can go through and talk about as you go through your Air Force career, mm-hmm. different chiefs and seniors yeah. and master sergeants, whatever it may be, that influenced me in one way, shape, or form. But I think that's really what built the foundation, those those few individuals out there at Nellis and got me going. Yeah. Um, it, it It's something interesting. What I found interesting is when I, I don't think I was influenced by chiefs until I was a, a, a master sergeant select. You know, you just... Chiefs Absolutely. can't influence you. So when you were even at your first base, like you had influence from chiefs or seniors? No. Okay. At my first base, like I said, Jason Rude was a senior airman at the time. I had Brian Campbell, Nate Castillo mm-hmm. were uh, staff sergeants at the time. And, I mean, those were the guys I worked with as an A1C. Those were the guys that trained me and got me to where I was. But they took good care of me. And we've crossed paths different times That's throughout fun. the career. And they're just always the people there that are reaching back like, dude, that's fucking awesome. You just made that, you know, we appreciate it. And, you know, some of them got wife, you know, wives that reach back like, dude, that's awesome. That you made cool. it, man. We've seen you as an A1C and you're coming along. And 
So I truly appreciate them because I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them because they were the ones that like were the start at the building blocks of my Air Force career. Yeah, that's good. And so you said they were your mentors. Were they also your friends even back then? Friends, mentors, yeah, awesome. absolutely. Right. So you, you listed off three, Campbell, Castillo, and Rude. Yep. Tell me one good story about Campbell. Campbell, man, dude, dude's phenomenal. So it's my first supervisor. So okay. like I said, took care of me, you know, maybe broke some few, a few rules because hung out with him as I was coming along. But, you know, he could be stern and be hard and take the, take, you know, at work and be like, hey, get your shit together. But he never frowned upon that or brought that up when we were barbecuing and drinking beers on the weekend. So I truly appreciate that. He yep. could, you, you know, he could separate work and play, and it set a good example for me as a young airman to do that, to be able to separate that work from play. And I never had any hard feelings against him if he had to get in my ass at work. Yeah, that that, that is a really uh, – it's kind of – it's I've caught myself trying – I was a tech sergeant, and there was a senior airman that I thought was really cool, and we were like – he was like a year <coughs> younger than me. And I tried to do that, you know, like hang out with him outside of work. And then at work, I, I failed to like set that boundary. And he would call me like, hey, you stupid idiot. Like yeah. at work in front of people. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> dude. Or like one time it was our master sergeant in the room. And he was, she asked him, hey, what are you going to do this weekend? He's, oh, I'm going to get fucked up with John. <laughs> it's just like, dude, you can't tell people that. You're going to get me in trouble. So that's cool that Campbell was able to do that. And like, did he have a conversation with you for you to figure that out? Or yeah, did, was it some natural? of it was just natural, just seeing it, him doing that. So Okay. Yeah. And then I look back, those three were big. And uh, one of the big ones I use still to this day was a guy I worked with at uh, Kadena. So uh, Lindre Curl, he's, uh, he was just, just took his diamond off recently, picked oh, up nice. senior engine troop. But the dude was phenomenal, man. It was like a Kobe-Shack fucking combo when we worked together. He was a super good dude and just super level-headed and told you how it was, but Outside of work, it was just good times. Yeah. Know? So, and I still reach back to him like, hey, man, need some help on this EPR, need some help on this. Can you give me some guidance here? So, I always give him a shout out when I can because he, he's been a huge influence in my career as well. And that's cool. I like the, the Kobe Shaq yeah. analogy. So, that was a big <laughs> joke when we, when we were at Kadena, man. Our pro super used to call us, but it definitely, you look at it again, back to sports analogies, man. It was just, we got shit done and mm-hmm. we, we, we won a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I do. I don't know if you didn't want to talk about Castillo or Rude, um, but I like asking those questions because just off Campbell, like that experience, like that's really interesting to me. Is like that's something I've struggled with, and I'm sure a lot of people all over all over the Air Force struggle with setting boundaries with their subordinates because they're cool people, real people. And but, hey, Castillo, Rude too. Like Castillo, you know, he gave me other stuff. There's different things. Like he made me financially savvy when he talked about when I first went to Kadena, how, how to save and how to invest in different things like yep. that. And then I look at rude that, that son of a bitch is like probably one of the best engine troops I've had the opportunity to work with. And, uh, he, I mean, he taught me tons of shit, you know, fighter guy through and through. So mm-hmm. being able to work with him just made me that much better coming up. Yeah. So was he the, he was a staff sergeant when you were a trainee? So Rude was a senior airman. When I was A1C, he made staff. And, okay. then, uh, you know, obviously he's a master sergeant now, and hopefully he'll make senior this go-round. He's pro-souping up there at Ielson right now. So oh, nice. There's a place I would probably never want to get stationed at. Absolutely. Been there TDY <laughs> twice, and twice was more than enough for me. Does Rude so, like it? Loves it. Third go-round up <sighs> there. So Anchorage, I love Anchorage. Uh-huh. I spent about a year TDY up in Anchorage, two six-month go-rounds. Jeez. And Anchorage is phenomenal, but fuck Ielson. Yeah, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so now I'm going to get a sign. Yeah. Here, so, <laughs> that yeah. guy deserves yeah. it. Yeah. Like, look what he said about yeah. it. Fucking yeah. I've met people that love that place. And I just, I mean, I guess maybe I should go there before I knock it. But I'm glad that there's people like Rude and yeah. for, in my case, uh, Jesse Alford and uh, Hall, like that people that, people that want to be there. Yeah, so much, like, much yeah, much let's, let's keep them there. Yep. So I don't have to go. Yeah, so I didn't know you uh, spent a whole year TDY in Elmendorf. Like, does your family get to go to you when you're there for six months at a time? No, I just, uh, when I was at Kadena, we went up there a couple times for different mission sets, and uh, did I did six, it was like, I think six months, one go round, five months, the other go round, so went up there and just uh, supported the mission we had to support. It was an awesome time, so. Was it per diem decent? Outstanding. Yeah, like, <laughs> it just... Sometimes we, they we won't go into how much like, money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm curious. Like, who's making these yeah. decisions? Yeah. Just extend so, some D roses. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's a good, good time. Good, good per diem and uh, awesome city at the end of the day. Got to, I went up there with a good group of people and we were on Panama's the one go round. Mm-hmm. So it was nice. We'd all get together and we'd travel and different things like that on the weekends and our days off. Yeah, where do you travel when you're in Elmendorf? Oh, you can go. I mean, you got Talkeetna, you got uh, Anchorage, that city alone. So, I mean, you we okay, so there. you stayed like yeah, yeah, local, local okay. within a couple hours. So just seeing it, seeing Alaska. So yeah, I forgot where they were TDY to, but I knew some pilots that like drove. I don't know what it's called. Somewhere really far north, like not the North Pole. If that's even yeah. No, I guess there's not even North there, Pole. There is a uh, Arctic Circle. That was there. it. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. Like they went so, somewhere north. And Fairbanks, what's nice, you can see the Northern Lights. Like I got to go up there one time, seeing the Northern. You saw them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Were you by yourself? Yeah, we were sitting out on the patio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I took a trip to Iceland by myself. I rented a little camper van out there, drove around the island, and my goal was, well, I guess it was my only goal, but one of the things I wanted to do was see the Northern Lights, and it just, it was in like January too, where it's most prevalent to see, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. So it was beautiful. We had a couple guys up there, uh, like in the photography. They got a lot of good pictures, mm-hmm. so it was cool. Yeah. I got to go back now. Yeah. What else have you been TDY to? So stateside-wise, I've been to, like I said, Anchorage. I've been to Fairbanks, Nellis, Florida, or Tyndall, Langley. Uh, then overseas, like I said, I've got to go to the desert a couple, a few times now. Got to go to Saudi Arabia, Singapore, Malaysia, mainland Japan, Indonesia. And you, you whenever you TDY, you usually go with... Like your friends, right? It's not just a bunch of randoms. Yeah. So, I mean, in the maintenance career field, you know, you're you're living in the suck every single day. Some days, uh-huh. six, sometimes six days a week, 12 to 14 hours a day. So, I mean, you know them people more than you know your own family. So, sure. they become your best friend. So, yeah, you got to go TDY deployed with all those guys all the time. So I think that's something that my career field air traffic, and most of my listeners are air traffic to this podcast, is we don't have when we, like, we can go to any base. So, we're not, like, you're you probably, when you were an F-15, right? Like, you're, you're usually around the same jets, fighter jets, like, with the same people. You run into a lot of the same people. Like we don't do that. Like, you're just going to meet people new. Even when I swapped to 16s when I was a shirt, I went there. I got to go TDY several times as a shirt from mm-hmm. a year and a half in AMXS. It's a lot of guys and gals you worked with previously in maintenance on F-15s. Yeah. So it's like, oh, hey, long time no see, you know. <laughs> hey and so I got to go on a lot of good TDYs there as well. That's cool. Yeah, yeah but that's something I'm jealous of because every time I've TDYed, which has only been like six times and it's never very long, is it's just I don't know anybody there. Or maybe maybe I've been stationed with someone once. Uh, so I have to like meet them, get to know them before I'm comfortable to just be myself yeah. and do my thing, which I'm at, I do a lot faster than I think the average person. But I would love to just 
get a paid vacation with my best friends. Like yeah. well, <laughs> that's what nice you're too. doing. The air force is small. So a mm-hmm. lot of the places I've gone that they weren't overseas locations, you get to see people you worked with. Like yeah. I said, I went back to Nellis TDY and I can meet up with people. Like I said, Brian Campbell, he was back there at one point. Yeah. I got to meet up with him, got to meet up with Castillo, all the different locations. You just get to know people, you know, it's, at the end of the day, the Air Force is huge, but it's really small. Yeah, that's true, especially when you're in your in your career field, like yeah. where you're limited to your bases. So, you, you said your first base was Nellis. Yep. How long How long were you there for? Thirteen months. So first oh, term geez. airman got picked up at my six month mark to get an assignment to Kadena. Were you Were you happy with that? Absolutely. And you weren't even Were you 21 when you left? I was because okay. I actually joined the Air Force at 20. So okay, I, I turned 21 shortly after getting to Nellis. So I feel like Nellis would be. a a pretty cool first base for a Nellis 21 was year an old. awesome assignment. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. And you had, you were ready to go at 13 months. I, I would have had no problem staying, but I was excited at my six month mark when yeah. I got the assignment to go. And then I went to Kadena and fell in love with Kadena, you know, ended up spending seven years there. Cause I Epcot it. Okay. Uh, and then, like I said, I'm going back after here. So I was born there. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, when I was in high school in, in, uh, Yokosuka, the Navy base, Japan mainland, you ever been there? Yokosuka? No, I've never been there. I know where it's at. Okay. So. We, I played uh, for soccer, Far East is what they call it. Uh, we went we went back to Okinawa, and it was really cool to, like, I was there from, like, well, I was born there, I don't remember that, but then I was back there from, like, sixth to seventh grade, or, no, I don't know, third to sixth, I was there. And, like, I had my little memories there, and then we were there, and I was like, man, like, it is crazy to, like, 15 so years. So you Navy brat? Uh, no, my dad retired out of the, he did 10 years Marine, 10 years Air Force retired, but he retired when I was three. Okay. Stayed in DOD and we moved around a lot okay. still. Every two to three years, I kept I just, moving. I've been fortunate each assignment basically have Navy and Army. And then not long ago, I just went through the uh, Navy CPO selection. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, it was, they picked a few Air Force folks back at Masao and we went through. So that's why I asked when you said Yokosuka. Yeah. Well, so you did it at Misawa? I did. The training? That's Air Base, though. It is, but they got Navy, they got a Naval Air Facility out there. Okay. So I've been for each assignment I've had, I've basically had Army and Navy. So CPO, what does that stand for exactly? Chief Petty Officer. Okay. So like they for go, their E7s? Yeah they, go, yeah, they go through an initiation process. So can't talk about it because it's pretty secret, but hey, it's an awesome process. If you ever get the opportunity, uh, they are full on board out there at Masawa doing it. The command chief and the CMC are like hand in hand and uh, getting people involved in it. So it's an awesome opportunity. Yeah, I won't, I won't pressure you. You don't talk about it if it's like actually a thing you don't talk about, but that's cool. So like when a Navy people make E7s, they go through a training that yeah, they so don't talk about? Their, e, their E6s, uh, when they pick up E7, mm-hmm. they go through a selection process. So uh, there's some leadership. There's a, a six weeks of leadership, basically. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of kept on the down low. Yeah. It's an awesome opportunity. If you talk to Navy folks, they know, they know what you're talking about. It's like a NCOA kind of style thing. Way better. Oh, way better. Nothing's better than NCOA. No, it's way better than NCOA. <laughs> you know, when you ask what, what is my favorite, like my, my, one of my favorite moments, my best assignment, if, it was Osan Air Base 17 to 18. But my favorite, like six weeks ever, was NCOA. Like no responsibility, just no. hanging out with a bunch of people. We were, it was in Ramstein too. So it was nice. cool to like, I had a camper van. We would just like go. Lucky you. <laughs> I had to go to fucking Shepherd for oh. my NCOA. Okay. Yeah, maybe that would not be my highlight. That's that's something that's really cool about the Air Force, though. I don't know if you made did you make friends there at least at Shepherd, just sitting in the dorms together for those yeah, six yeah, weeks. You definitely make friends. It's when you go through any of that yeah. training, you know, you're networking. You make a bunch of people, bunch of friends. You got to hang out with some lifelong, some mm-hmm. some short terms. So. Yep. Yeah, and and I guess 
I guess I never realized how lucky I was to go. I was actually, honestly, I was trying not to go because I had done course 15. Yeah. Like, I don't need to go to this. I don't want to go. And I was telling my superintendent, I don't want to go. I don't have to. The rule says I don't have to. And he's like, you're going. You <laughs> suck it up. And but I'm really glad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, it was the best six weeks of my Air Force career. Yeah. Maybe the, the second five weeks. The first week kind of sucked. But Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, man. So working with Sheriff. I, he's like the most liked commander I've ever met through word of mouth. And I've only like shaken his hand. We're the exact same height. So him and I have something in common, but what's it like working for that guy? I guess there, is there a new one yet? Or is he, is. he just came in. He's got a couple days under his belt. But okay. I'll, talk, I'll talk about, uh, the previous. Okay. Sheriff. Phenomenal individual. Uh, like I said, he, I, I believe if I count it correctly, I was teasing him. He was like my 10th commander, hmm. but he and I like, we jived perfectly. We seen eye to eye on everything. So it was super simple. You know, he was after, you know, after the same things I was after. So it made it super, super simple. And his ability to not only bring up and take care of the officer corps, but the way the enlisted folks loved him was mm-hmm. amazing. I teased him on our last night. We were, uh, we were having a, a drink or we were having a glass of whiskey together, myself, him That's and cool. chief, just, hey, kind of reminiscing over I only got served with him three months, but phenomenal individual. I told him I'd do it, serve for him any day. Uh, if I could stay a shirt and I could be his shirt somewhere, I would do it any day or another position. But we were kind of talking, so he was super big on heritage, and he did a bunch of stuff around the squadron, worked to get pictures to capture the defenders over the years. But there's uh, we've been doing yearbooks for many, or they did yearbooks for several years from like, the late 60s or 70s up until the early 90s, and it kind of fell off for like Mm. 27 years. And he's like, hey, I want to do this, and he did a yearbook. And it's kind of funny because, you know, some of all the people, when they got the yearbooks in, it was the day before he left, and they were like at his door, like, hey, please sign this. So it's like high school all over again, but that's impressive because I've been in a lot or several units and worked with several commanders, and I can't say I've ever seen that many enlisted folks stand at a door to get a few last words with somebody because that's the type of uh, impression he put on people. Yeah. And, and that's what I think is incredible. Cause I've, I've barely talked to the guy, but everyone I have, every security force person I met says that he's the best commander ever. Yeah. Have you met well, sheriff? He's so at a hooch. That's the sheriff. Easiest, the easiest way to sum it up is when I got out of ROM here. So I started going around and meeting like, Hey, I'm the shirt for security forces kind of getting the lay of the land. And they're like, you're lucky. You're in the best command team. Here base. <laughs> that's so like, nice oh, to hear. Like, <laughs> You know, okay. you never know because, like, I came out of an awesome unit and I, you never know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And then I get 14 days in ROM and it's like, all right, here we go. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I got out and everybody's like, man, these you're in the best command team on this base. Uh, and I was the oddball because I was the only one that wasn't a ranger. So yeah. <laughs> shout out to my ranger, uh, <laughs> chief and uh, sheriff for being rangers. Yes. So I got two things. First, what's the... Uh... What's the yearbook like? Like a high school yearbook just has every security forces and when they got here. So it's divvied up by flights and different things like that and captures different events. So very similar. You know, you have S1, S2, S3, and it's all in there. K9. So very similar to your high school yearbook. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. That is cool, especially for like Coonsan. Like everyone yeah. remembers Coonsan to have that book. And is Mikey Thompson in there? Like, let me, yeah, can absolutely. I buy a yearbook? <laughs> You can. I think they have some extras, and then you can get them to sign it. So. I've got to go there tomorrow to deregister my vehicle. Come, come up to the second floor if I'm up there. We'll right. see if we can get you a yearbook. And get I will. Thompson to sign I will do that. You. I'll be there tomorrow. I would like that. You, you would be baffled. Uh, second thing I want to ask is for sheriff for people to be trying to get him, like enlist people, just people wanting him to sign a book on his last day. It does say a lot, but I want to know, 
Like, what do you think it was that he did so well that made all enlisted and officer people like him and want to follow him? Super down to earth. Super humble guy. You know, he didn't have a problem taking the enlisted advice or the young officer advice, mm-hmm. and he would just he would run with it. He, you know, uh, just a super lovable person. I mean, it was insane. Like I said, I've never seen, you know, I've had one other commander similar to him, but, I mean, everybody just loved him and his ability to communicate with the young folks and give them what they wanted and make it a better place for them was just phenomenal. So, yeah. It sounds like some very, like, fundamental things that, like, all these books tell me to do, but people just don't execute. It's it's awesome he's going to be a deputy commander. It's sad that he's leaving the squadron because he has such a big effect on folks. Where's he going? He went off to Moody, so... To be like the, the vice wing commander? Or? Oh, no, he went off to be a deputy, group deputy. Okay, so okay, he went okay. out to the, uh, uh, what's it called? No, I'm lost for words. Moody base defense yeah. zone? At it is the base defense thing, there, yeah. So, yeah. And it's his world, man, because he, he's, you know, like I said, got the ranger tab and just a badass. So it's good world for him because he can go out there, hopefully get air assault and all that good stuff. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. Yeah. yeah. Is, he, uh, is he a book reader? You guys talk about books? We did not talk about books, mm. but I would assume he, he seems pretty well educated. But he never, you know, he never made it seem like he's more educated than anybody. So it was nice he could keep it right on your level where you're at. So that was a plus too. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna ask. Tell me something he did bad. But like people like that, where all you hear is good, is like there's I, I got to hear yeah, something yeah, bad. There's, yeah, there's nothing. Everything was great about him. What's something you do bad? Oh, and I make mistakes every single day. <laughs> yeah, I make mistakes every single day. <laughs> What'd you make today? He must not. Maybe he didn't. Yeah. I, I made some type of mistake because I am far from perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I. It's funny. It's the Chief Clark is my Chief Wizard Chief. And you know, love him to death too. Yeah. yeah. Awesome individual. I'm. I'm a big fan of him. He's my supervisor too. He, he pulled me. He was like, "I'm supervising you," which is which is cool. And if someone wants to do that, uh, he talked me into staying here to make sure my EPR close is out here, which I'm not too worried concerned about. But it's cool that he 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 does those things. And, uh, man, I forgot what I was going to say about him, but shit, it, it was important yeah. and very hard. Oh, no, here, I remembered, is I was trying to do a, a last-minute MFR that I, like, one was trying to rush, and I got a template from a squadron, put my stuff in there, sent put my reasoning, sent it direct to him, and he calls me, like, hey, man, I'm trying to, like, you know, I just want you to know, here, like, senior NCO to senior NCO, like, you got to be good at this stuff. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, in my head, I was like... I got a template from like, <laughs> it's going to be good. And like, I should have reviewed it. It was bad. Like there was not two spaces. Like well, paragraph five was like under the five and the rest of them weren't. <laughs> I was like, how did I miss this? Trust me. I make the mistakes every day when you're using templates and you're doing yeah. different paperwork for people. But yeah. And it's just like weird how like if it had been any, I shouldn't say this, had it been any other senior NCO, not any other, most any, if another senior NCO would have said, Hey, you messed this up. I probably would have been like, okay, thanks for catching it. Fixed it. Moved on. But, like, when it's him, it's like, damn it. <laughs> Why did I send you this shitty product? It, it wasn't yelling. It was, in the, it was in the typical Chief Clark. Yeah. Like, Low-key, chill. Like, it's like, yeah, John, I'm not trying to get on you. I'm just trying to be chiefly. You know, we can't send this up. <laughs> it's like, yell at me. Yeah, you're a fucking idiot. Fix it. <laughs> Tell me I am stuck here until July because yeah. I sent you a shitty yeah. product. Yeah. I deserve this. Yeah. Yeah, so it's cool when people can just, like, talk to you. Like how you're saying Sheriff does, just talk to you, like, on your level. They're 
Even though he knows way more than me. He doesn't tell me that. He doesn't remind me that. Stuff like that is really cool and something I think I do, but I need to like, when other people do it and I see it, I start doing it myself. Yeah. Man. Ask me something. Oh shit! I've got I've got a list of questions I can always ask people. Um, something I really like asking, and uh, Mike Thompson has a good answer to this. I asked him this once: if uh, if you could, if you could meet one person currently alive and one person currently dead for like a thirty-minute lunch, who would you pick? So let's start with the dead person. Thirty-minute lunch with someone who's currently dead. Currently dead. Can I can I use a family member? Yeah, I would have to say my grand one of my grandfathers. Yeah, what would you want to ask him? Or just thirty minutes of seeing him? So hey, my grandfather, twenty eight year Marine. When I joined, when I was looking to join the Air Force, like I said, I'd been out of school about two years. Joined it, and uh, it might have just been his tactic, but he's kind of an ass to me. Yeah, and I was doing. He he was the one told me he's like, hey, you need to go Air Force or something. He goes, don't go Marine, don't go Army. You know, different things, but. Some of the things he and I chatted a little bit before I did, and some of the things he had said to me, it was like, God damn, you're being an asshole. But now I'd like to be like, hey, here's where I'm at, you know. And I think some of it was just his tactics, mm-hmm. just to, you know, motivate me and push me to be where I'm at today. But it would be good to like get, like, were you, were you just an asshole or were you, well, yeah, <laughs> did you yeah. have some deeper thoughts? I, I love him to yeah. death, man, because he, you know, he was there through. All my childhood up at, you know, I was in the Air Force for a couple of years when he passed away. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal individual and did a lot of great things for his country as a Marine and did, was an awesome grandfather. But just, uh, we won't go in depth on here. Some of the things he said to me, at, like, we used to sit around his little kitchen table on his enclosed porch mm-hmm. and I'd sit and talk with him. Some of the things he shared with me, he's like, son of a bitch, that's what you think of me? <laughs> you know? And again, I look back, I was like, maybe that's what motivated me to do this, do this and do that type of thing and be where I'm at today. So I truly appreciate that. Yeah. Whatever, you know, the things he said to me and I'd like to just be like, Hey, what do you think now? Yeah. 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 yeah I'm sure he'd be proud of you, yeah. but it would be, it is cool. Like when you're a kid and people you just don't pick up on what, yeah. what exactly, why are you talking to me like this? <laughs> that's a good pick. And I, and I really like that pick. Cause the last two people I asked that on this podcast, they both picked Hitler. <laughs> just to be like, okay. what the fuck was wrong with yeah. you? Which it, which makes yeah. sense. But it's like, man, why is everyone thinking Hitler for this question? <laughs> yeah, I like your pick a little more than any others. Who? All right, what about if someone currently still alive? Fucking Michael Jordan. Oh, what would you ask him? That's good. Because you're a baseball guy. Oh, he played baseball. I mean, he did play baseball. <laughs> you're in. I don't know exactly what I'd ask him, but watching his movie Save the Last Dance, I love his style, man. He's just like, hey, if you're not going to be a badass on the court, there's no need for you to get on the court. So I don't need anybody half-assing. And that's what I, that's how I kind of look at life every single day. Hmm. Like, if you're not going to come to work and give 100%, you don't deserve to be here. I don't need 80%. I don't need 50%. I need you performing at 100% so this team succeeds and goes on and wins championships. So uh, I guess really I'd ask, like, hey, how the hell did you motivate your people to be that way? And how did you keep hold them accountable to do that? You know, Because, yeah. like I say, I look back at that movie – and what I like about, you know, one of my favorite parts about that movie is where Dennis Rodman goes on, like, his bender, and him and Scottie Pippen, like, fly out to Vegas and find him all, like, hammered, drunk, and whatnot at the hotel. And, like, hey, bro, it's time to come back. Yeah. Like, that's one <laughs> hell of a leader to be like, hey, I know you're good enough, so I'm going to go out there and drag you back. So, I you know, I'd probably ask, like, hey, what's the best way? How do you hold people accountable? How do you continue to motivate people to give you that 100% on the court or sit on the bench? 
Yeah, I've never seen Say the Last Dance, but now I'm kind of intrigued into watching it. You should probably it. watch it this week. <laughs> this week. Absolutely. Is it on Netflix? It is on okay, Netflix. Then One I will. of the best movies I've watched. Yeah, I, I will watch that. Um, but if you had to try to, if you, let's pretend now you are Michael Jordan, you have to answer that. Like, how do you get people to give 100% every time? What do you think he's doing right? He's performing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's doing it. He's walking the walk. Talk, you know, he's not just talking the talk. He's walking the walk. So I think that means a lot. If you're, you know, we can all say a bunch of shit. Yep. But if we're not executing on that or we're not walking that walk, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. It, I've read this thing once. Uh, it's human nature to, to, to judge yourself based on your most, like your best potential and to judge others by their worst examples. Okay. And so like, you know, like, and, and we, I've caught myself doing that. Like yeah. not very often, not lately, but I could see like Michael Jordan. What, what can you say bad about him in relations to basketball? Not much. Not it's the best. Yeah. You know, so when you think that analogy, but yeah, he's, he's performing. And if, and if he flies to Las Vegas to tell me to come back to Chicago, I guess I'll go back to Chicago. Together, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And that's really good. Another question I've, I like to ask on first dates. This is how I decide, and this isn't a date, but it's just like a really cool, interesting question. If you could spend 30, all expenses paid for, three months traveling Asia or three minutes on the moon, and you get a plus one for both adventures, which one are you picking? Asia. And who are you bringing? Fuck, I don't know. What's that? <laughs> that, that's the tough part. Right? <laughs> the decision was easy. Yeah. yeah uh, so it's like that's like one of those questions that really split down the middle. You've got no interest in going to the moon. I got no interest in going to the moon. Absolutely none. What if it was just you can go to the moon or you can continue being a shirt here for the next? Continue being a shirt. Got no ambition to go to the fucking moon. Why not? Because I, you see the pictures, there ain't shit up there. Huh. You know? But I think if I did, like, uh, my daughter's pretty adventurous, so I'd probably take her on the Asia vacation. That's a good pick. Yeah. Your son would be jealous. No, nah, I don't. I mean, he'd be <laughs> cool to go, but he's got other shit, you know. He's got other priorities, so yeah. he'd be like, "Hey, man, I ain't got time for you," type of thing. You think you're, you think Thailand will be a good father daughter? Like, I know they got elephants and stuff there. Yeah, there is. You can stay away from the, the fun, father yeah. daughter stuff. The adult fun. There, yeah. yeah, there is plenty of stuff you can do there, and we'd have a good time. I think. Where else in Asia would you go besides Thailand? Uh, one of my one, the one of the places I'd like to go is Vietnam mm-hmm. and Cambodia. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah I follow some uh, YouTube travelers, and they've got some cool stuff out there, like the meals and. Culture, yeah, it's, it's really unique. And they got this one thing. I don't know how they do it. They take a beer can, I guess not a Miller Lite, but some kind of Vietnamese beer. And I don't know what they do with the beer, but they somehow stick a whole chicken in the beer and then, like, roast it on a oh, fire. Yeah. And, like, I want to try that. Beer can chicken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I only know beer can chicken from the seasoning. But I guess well, it's a real yeah. thing. You can buy the rack and you put the chicken on there with the beer in it. You're good. In America, they sell that? Yeah. I've never... I'm American. I've never yeah. seen that. I just saw it on a YouTube video. Amazon's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna buy that. Man, um, so you're gonna be a shirt when you get to Okinawa again? I am. So, like I said, I extended. So, I was able to take my diamond off in March of 21 at my three year mark. Uh, fortunately, have an awesome functional. She reached out and said, "Hey, I can't get anybody to fill these senior billets mm-hmm. at Kunsan. Are you willing to go?" Okay. I said, "Yep," and I had planned on just doing. Like, all right, cool, I'll go there one year, take my diamond off, go back to my career field. And uh, I got some email traffic from her, and she's like, hey, there's some other spots I can't fill E8 billets if anybody wants to extend. So I ultimately 
extend it to take the job. It worked out perfect because I enjoyed, I, like I said, I got to LRS. I really started enjoying I fell in love with the first sergeant yeah. job. So when all that came out, I got the assignment here and then got the opportunity to put in a follow-on. I was like, oh, shit, they need people at Kadena. I was like, I spent seven years at Kadena. I love it. Let's do it again. So I put a, I put a few PACAF bases, a few USAFE bases, and here we go. I got my got Okinawa, so looking forward to going back. Do you get any say at all in what a group you go to? Uh, not really. You know, it's all up to the command chief and normally the senior shirt. They kind of pick – Based off, like, your, they look at your primary AFSC, some of the experience you had, and then they try to give you something different normally. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully I can go out there. I'd like to – if I'm blessed enough, I would love to make chief someday. The ability to – if I can make chief and go back to the – spend some time in my career field, go back, get selected to be a ADEF MAGCOM functional manager and hopefully command chief down the road. So my goal at Kadena would be to get – go to AFSOC for a little bit because they got some AFSOC units. If I could spend about yeah. a little bit of time out there and uh, spend a little time in something like medical, that way I've kind of captured yeah. all the groups, all the different spots. That way if someday if I'm blessed enough to become a command chief, I can easily communicate all that and know what everybody's going through and what everybody's mission set is. Yeah, I, I never thought it would be unfair to make it a requirement to be a shirt with that much experience to be a command chief. But that's definitely a huge advantage you would have to know all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's definitely a plus to be able to know all these uh, different mission sets that people go through. Because, you know, I, th- I grew up in maintenance, like I said, and you get this tunnel vision and you're only looking and thinking about maintenance. And then you get out and you see everybody else's struggles and what they're going through and different things like that. I feel I'm pretty well educated now on like, mm-hmm. hey, when I go, for instance, if when I go back to maintenance, I can talk smartly to the LRS mission set. Like we deal with supply all the time and I can talk like what, why some things happen this way versus that way. Yeah. And it's not just like, Hey, fuck you, man. You guys aren't doing your job. You know, like when I was a staff sergeant or tech sergeant. Yeah. It's cool. I I didn't, you know, you you assume most people when they make senior, they've got a good shot at chief. And I I really do hope you make it, especially like your thing being, Sure. You know, I never really cared about making chief. I just like taking care of people. And so it's cool to see someone like that make chief. It's cool to see, like, I think we have a lot of people who work really hard and do try to get promoted, get promoted. We do need that because there needs Absolutely. to be like that thing on what you're supposed to do. But we also need people who are like, Oh, I just want to take care of people who just somehow make it because it's nice for guys like me to see like, Oh, you can do that and make it like, yeah. and that's what you're doing. I see it through my interactions with you. And we need that. Like, we really need that. Like, I assume you have the voice of the people uh, just through the few security forces and, and, you know, I guess you mess with some MSG people through Mike Thompson. Things like that is what we need people to do or what I think we need people to do because that's kind of what I hope to be. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I always look at it like, hey, you know, if you're doing all the right things, you know, you're going to make rank eventually. It might not be at the time you want, but you'll make it. If you're doing the right things and taking care of people, it's coming to you. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I look at it for the most part. Yeah, and it's worked. That yeah, guy, yeah. I don't know if we said it on here, but I know you've made senior without a strat. Yeah. That's not very normal. <laughs> That's no, almost I, I got real fortunate yeah. because, you know, and I had good feedback when I didn't get the strat or whatever. Uh, I was young master sergeant, uh, just became a pro super, and I had awesome leadership in there again and, you know, got a lot of good feedback and why I didn't. And I was perfectly fine with yep. it. We had guys, guys in that unit that got a strat that definitely deserved it over me, man. They were the ones who trained me and made me who I was. And I would have loved to see them get promoted. 
But what I appreciate a lot is the fact that when I got promoted, there was no, didn't feel like any animosity. You know, they never were like, oh, fuck that. We didn't yeah. want you to get promoted. You know, they were like, holy shit, that's awesome, yeah. dude. Uh, so I truly appreciate those individuals that I was surrounded with at that time when I got promoted. Yeah, it's great. It's cool to have like that support too, because I know that that's got to mean a lot. I, uh, I was eligible for senior this last time for my first time and I didn't get a strat. And, you know, of course you want one and you don't get one. You're sad. But what was cool was I had left Germany five months ago at this point and the chief there, like, you know, he didn't just forget about me. He called me and he was like, Hey, here's, here's what other people did better than you. Here's what yeah. you could do. And I know it sucks. And, you know, it was cool for people to take the time to do that. And cause, and then I could like, just accept like, yeah, I mean, Absolutely. I really wasn't ready. Then it gives you what you need to look for in the mm-hmm. next year. Hey, this is where I fell short. This is what I need to start looking for to get that strat, to be able to get promoted yep. or whatever it may be. Yeah. And even if it wasn't like, kind of like you, like that's not my end goal. It was cool for someone to reach back and like, for me to know, like yeah, I've got, I've got, maybe I've got the potential or I've got tools to figure out how to do it. If, if I change my mind and I really want to do this, so that's cool. Man, that's really good. That's awesome. Yeah. I hope, uh, you ever been to Kinzer? Camp Kinzer? Yep, sure have. For what were you doing there? That's where that's where like I lived as a kid. I don't know. We we used to go there for they had the uh what the hell is it called? The uh where you drop off DRMO. Okay. Yeah, that's where you dropped off all your DRMO shit when I was at Kadena. You have to drive all oh, over yeah. and turn yeah, shit so in. They had the DRMO <laughs> over it. there, so What's been your first year, if not your first base, Nellis? What's been your best base, Kadena? Absolutely, Kadena. So it's such a small island. Like you got uh, what is that? What is that beach? Akuma. Akuma. Yep. So what else is it that you like so much about this small island? I, I hate cold weather. Okay. So I love the warm weather there, and it's just awesome to be able on the weekends to go to the beaches, just hang out and enjoy that type of. I like the island vibe. So yeah. Like if you were to ask me, like three places, you know, like places I love, it's. I like Guam. I like Okinawa. I like Hawaii. It's all islands. I don't get the island fever. I love being being out there, the ability to go to the water, just drink beer, have a good time. <laughs> it sounds like a really good life. So let's say you retire in the next five to 15 years. Where do you want to be at that point? Uh, I would love to start my civilian career in fucking Hawaii or Okinawa so I could be on an island. Yeah, Absolutely. Any island. You ever been to Malta? I have not. That's that would be my if I did retire today and could live anywhere. That's where it'd be. It's island. Yeah, I just like the weather. It's good weather. You know, I like to be in flip flops. Yep. So, what do you want to be doing, job wise? So, hopefully, something super simple. Because if I could, if I'm blessed enough to make chief, I'm, I'm happy to continue to serve. I'd love to go to thirty years, mm-hmm. just retire as a chief, and just get some BS job and just have a good time. Yeah. Like like BS like. Burger like, King or like what? Like the UFPM, like <laughs> the UDM or something, you know, some GS7, GS9, just living on chief retirement and just doing my thing. Yeah, I, you would, they would come to you for so much more. 30-year chief retirement, they're not going to let you just do UDM <laughs> yeah. and not like ask you, like, how do we do everything else? <laughs> just, like, that's like, not my, thought of my PD. I'll just have to tell them, yeah, it's not in my PD. Like, do you need your uh, mobility folder? I got you. No. So I really, because I, I put a lot of time into my career, I feel I would like to travel more, mm-hmm. work less type of things. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, when I was making those goals of those four things I want to do and traveling was one of them. Like whenever I try to think, when am I most happy? It's when I'm like traveling with a 
group of friends or a friend that I really like and care about, like that absolutely. is when I am the happiest. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And that's why I said, like you were uh, looting to earlier, like got to go on all those TDYs mm-hmm. with all my friends. That's, it doesn't get much better than that. You're getting good per diem and having a blast with all your friends. Yep. I mean, you can't ask for a better time. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think like if I could ask for a better time, maybe go to the moon. I'm going to see what this F-16 thing is like. But yeah, there's not much to it. Like that is when I am the happiest. So whenever I retire, that's what I hope to do. Like also, another thing we have in common, I want to be on an island yeah. somewhere warm. My thing is I want to open a scuba shop somewhere. Okay. I just be like an instructor, kind of work when I have an appointment. No, it's, but it's on my list of things nice. to do. So I will be. Yeah. But I, was, I keep getting stuck in these deadlock middle of yeah. America things. I actually went to Jeju in November to get scuba certified, but they didn't have enough people with COVID. They couldn't do it. So. It's not hard to do. I you know need, I can do it. You need to get down to Kadena because you can get all qualified. Yeah. And do all that stuff. Yeah. I'm going to Spokane next, but but I will. I've got 80 days of leave. I'm going to do something cool. Yeah. Check a bunch of my boxes of things I want to do. Nothing wrong with that. So that's cool. The island life. Yeah. Simple. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. I think I think you could do it. I mean, especially even if you retired now or in five years, you'd be able to do that. I think. Cool. Um, last thing I want to ask, and, and if you have anything more to say, we can do it, but your leadership philosophy, hopefully you got one. What is it? I do. You know, we kind of teased about the call sign chaos and leading things like gangs lead stuff, yep. but really I have to go back to, like I said, when I was a young tech sergeant, my leadership philosophy is just all about taking care of people, and I'm all about treating everybody like my brother, my sister, my son, my daughter, because, you know, even growing up, my parents grew up one way. They want it better for mm-hmm. us. So that's how I try to treat everything I do. Like, I want better for every guy and gal in my squadron. I want them to get promoted. I want them to go be officers. I want them to go to college, all that different stuff. So I push all that on them. So my leadership philosophy is really just taking care of people so those people can be better. Yeah, that's simple, and, and that's really yeah. good. You know, uh, man, I was saying this, and this is, it's hard to follow that in, in ALA all those students had like these three page leadership philosophies like, Oh damn it. Like mine's yeah. not even close to that. Yeah, that's why I said all yeah. them, their leadership philosophies. When you were reading some of them, it's just amazing. And I think about every day, if I just come to work, take care of every, every individual in our squadron, help them get whatever they need, man, that it's there, you yeah. know, cause at the end of the day, if I'm taking care of them, they're taking care of me. They're taking care of the squadron. They're taking care of the base, whatever it may be. So that's what that, that's my goal every single day. Like I told you earlier on, you could take my paycheck right now, and I'd still come do what what I do every single day. Wouldn't hurt my feelings. That's awesome. That's your willing. Like you're really doing what you love. They say that's what you want to do. Follow your passion. Do what you love. Like I said, I it, I don't ever hate waking up for work. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go to work every day. You know, it's nothing. It, there's nothing better than seeing like smiles on these folks' face when you they're like, hey man, shirt, I can't get this. And you go and just like, hey, what do we got to do to get this to happen? And it happens. And yeah. it's like, holy shit, how'd you do that? Don't worry, we got it done. <laughs> like, let's press on. Yeah. So, Yeah, that, that's that got to be a nice power influence yeah. to, to have to make those things happen. And I can see how it's so satisfying. Yeah. But yeah, and I, appreci- I appreciate you being on here. I appreciate you sharing me your your your, your buddies and I guess young mentors with uh, Castillo, Rude, and Campbell. Is that right? Yep. Like, that's cool to like, hopefully these three listen to that and they like, appreciate that you picked them you pass them and they're cool with it like that's something it takes it takes a very uh confident person or like i don't you know it's like to to be okay with that and it's cool that they've kept up with you truly awesome individuals man couldn't like i said couldn't have asked for better people to start my air force career out yep. with 
I believe sure. it. And I'm, I appreciate the book suggestions. I'm going to have to write down afterwards all the ones you, you suggested Same for the book you. club. You've suggested a few I'd like to read. Yeah, so definitely. Thank you. There's there's a there's a, the collection over there. But yeah, uh, I always like to give you the last words. And if there's anything else you want to talk about, we're always welcome to do it. I just want to say thank you, man. It's an awesome opportunity to come on here and do this. You know, you don't get this opportunity every day. So I truly appreciate what you're doing because you've had a lot of great people on. Like I look at your podcast uh, logo here and you got a lot of folks that have signed it and they're all awesome individuals that I've got to work with here at Kunsan. So I just truly appreciate you having me on here. It's truly a blessing to be able to get on here and just chat with you for a little while. And uh, I hope you continue doing this, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's, it's a fun hobby. It's mostly just more people listen to this than I ever thought would listen to it, but it's just fun to like talk to someone. Cause that's something I kind of enjoy like that traveling with someone I care about or know, but also just talking to someone like hearing your life stories. And then like, you've said a lot of things that I can't recollect and write them all down, but I know they'll, they'll click with me later points and it'll, it makes me better. So it's a, it's a fun experience. And um, I mean, we got to drink beer. Time, that, like, it yeah. doesn't get much better than this. I, like. And I, I can't get over that you brought your own koozie. Yeah. No one does that. Especially here in Korea. Like, nobody has koozies. They don't sell these in Asia. Koozies aren't a thing. Um, but I that's appreciate I, it. As I said, I can really give a shout out. Like I told you, I'm using the ammo one because I miss my uh, first sergeant friend, Jay Weber. So well, hopefully he listens to this. And I'm using his ammo koozie because I love him so much. Cool. Well, we'll make the thumbnail. I mean, I've just got a wild weasels from Shire Force Base. If you want to turn it, we'll make this the thumbnail. Look at the camera. There it is. Boom. I think you need to make fucking koozies with your logo. Yeah, that's so... I actually put in an order three weeks ago, and then two weeks ago, or no, I guess one week ago, or two weeks later, they're like, hey, we can only do two colors, and you have a couple different ones. Would you like us to push forward for an extra like twelve dollars? Which of course I'm gonna say yes, but then it pushed it to where I might not get it before I leave here. Before so I leave. said no. Okay. So yeah, they just lost. Like they should have just done it. Yeah, just do <laughs> yeah, it. Asshole. Yeah. Custom ink. <laughs> Usually, custom ink does me pretty solid. Yeah, so I went through them all yeah. the time. Now I gotta was, go to somewhere else. Yeah. I had the same thing with some t-shirts. So you get too many colors, and they're like, oh, we can't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, fair enough. Cool. Well, Craig French, uh, senior, I appreciate you being on here, and uh, yeah, I'll have this up in maybe a week or two. I'm trying to, I'm trying to savor some, so when I'm PCSing and I have a two month gap, that I can like release them while I'm traveling or waiting for my Timo. Like I said, I appreciate it, so thank you. Cool. Well, thanks again for being here. Thank you all for listening to Have a Taishu podcast, episode number 12. My main takeaway from this discussion with Senior Master Sergeant French is to get my organization to behave like a gang in the way General Mattis suggests. I have had a lot of people reach out over the last two months, and it's been fun to talk about my guests or things that I've said. I didn't realize how many of my friends and watchers read. Have a Taishu podcast is finally on Apple Podcasts. In addition to Apple Podcasts, my current platforms are YouTube, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Anchor.